Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Tuesday, September the 26th, 2023, at 12.18 p.m. Central Time. Today's focus, the word, that's a very important phrase, the word of life. The word of life. That is your today's focus. It is taken from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Now, before I read John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14, because I am going to just try to read it to you, a couple of things. Number one, this is the today's focus podcast, right? So I have to kind of explain that today's focus is not supposed to be an, an, you know, in-depth, exegetical work through an entire passage. Today's focus is where I try to take something from scripture, something spiritual, something theological, maybe something from church history, and I try to present it to you to go, hey, today, focus on this. Think about this. Meditate on this. Talk about this. Have conversations about this. And and I hate that I have to explain that, but sometimes I feel like, wait, you know, I didn't do enough with that. But I'm like, wait a minute. It was a Today's Focus broadcast, right? That I'm not really supposed to take it all apart. I'm supposed to just kind of set it on the plate and say, here you go. But it's John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. I mean, that almost feels like, you can you just set John chapter one verses one through fourteen on a plate and say, "Here you go, go focus on this today." It almost seems wrong because it demands so much thought and attention. It's one of those passages that just screams, "You need to spend a couple of years here, and you can't just go through this." But hopefully, you'll you'll find some ways to benefit from it. Another challenge I have here in front of me is it's John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. As majestic as it is, as glorious as it is, as the, the how deep it is, in spite of all of those realities, and it is glorious, it is amazing, it is deep. No matter how how true all of that is, look, I also am very aware that there's been like a billion sermons preached on John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Right, if you're using the Sermons 2.0 app or the Sermon Audio website, just do a search for, you know, sermons on John chapter one and just count how many there are. You could listen, you probably could spend the rest of your life just listening to sermons on John chapter one on the Sermons 2.0 app or the Sermon Audio website. Literally, I mean, I mean, every pastor preaches on that chapter. It's mentioned over and over and over and over and over again. So what can I do today for today's focus, hopefully to make it more meaningful? I don't know if I can do, I don't think I'm going to offer anything that you haven't heard before, but hopefully I can just try to give you something, maybe to give you something to think about and to focus on. So are you ready for today's focus? John chapter one, verses one through 14. I want to focus on all of it, but let's just try to read it. John chapter one, verses one through 14. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Please just really, I I cannot express to you how important it is to read those two verses. Just memorize them and you could just sit there and you could, you could literally spend your life trying to comprehend everything that's going on here. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. 
and the word was God with and was um, uh, uh, we you, we could focus on in the beginning we could focus on just the, the the word word okay we could focus on and the word was with God and the word was God I mean there's so much right there to unpack you could literally I mean I can't even begin to express to you how important it is and this is so important John chapter one verse one this is this is really the verse that distinguishes historical biblical Christianity from all the cults because the cults will almost inevitably go against John chapter one, verse one. They will deny it. They will try to translate it in a way. They will, they will destroy John chapter one, verse one. John chapter one, verse one really is the verse to protect you from heresy, from the cults, from, I mean, it really is the verse. Like, like if you say, where do you start a, a new Christian? John chapter one, verse one. Where do you start an older Christian? John chapter one, verse one, because it really is a, a verse that is so attacked by cults and, and any form of heretical, any heretical form of Christianity. And the, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Now that seems to indicate the word is, is identified now by the pronoun him. So the word is a person, not just a concept, not just a theory, not just a for a person. So in the beginning, so if we, if we take, if I'm if now grammatically, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that that's, that's what's happening here. In the beginning was the word. And all things were made by him. I think the him there is referencing the word. I, I think that's a fair and accurate way to understand that you you can tell me if you think there's a textual or grammatical reason that that is not uh the case but in the beginning was the, was you could say this and the beginning was him and him was with god and him was god the same was in the beginning with god if the him there in verse 3 is referencing back to word unless i am incorrect you can you can do your own work on that but for in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god the same was in the beginning with god all things were made by him and without him was not any Anything made that was made in him, in him, in the word was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and darkness comprehended it not. Now I have a devotional guide and they referenced this as the word of life. And this is what challenged me to like, what can I do? So I, I haven't even read the devotional. I just saw the title. The word of life, John chapter one, verses one through 14. I immediately set the devotional down. I'm like, I don't want to read what they have to say, but I, I, I kind of challenged myself. What can I do with that? What can I, what can I say today that hasn't been said? So hopefully I can just throw out some thoughts here and put them on a plate for you and you can, you can do something with them, but just the word of life. He is the word and, and look at that. And in him was life. What life is found in the word? Well, obviously, if all things were made by him, then you can, you could you could see that would be, we'll call it physical life. The word of life. He is the one who produced physical life. All things were made by him. So there's physical life. All right. But let, let's continue to read. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Now look at this. That, that, uh, he, he was came to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which light, light, lighteth every man that cometh into the world. 
He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. That's a lot to comprehend. But look at this. He came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, but of the flesh. Uh, I, I read this again. Verse 13, John chapter one, verse 13. Let me read, I'm going to read it all again, 11 through 13, because this is a, a passage that oh, we could spend a couple of hours on this. Okay, so this is important. He came to his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, and that the him is, I believe is the word, right? To, uh, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now look at verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the, of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. How does one become a son of God, right? How does one, in a sense, become born again? Well, well, you're not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It's a work of God. Some some just focus on, you have to receive him, but they forget what, what what's really causes that to happen. All right, well, we can get a whole discussion. And then verse 14, and the word was made, flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. What, what, ah, oh, so much there, so much there. And, and I don't even know where, what, which thing I want to grab onto to talk about, but I think we're going to have to just, we'll focus on the, the concept of the word. We'll just do that today. We'll do that. I won't spend a lot of time. I'm just, I'm handing you the entire 14 verses, but we're going to look at this. I'm going to look at it from two sources, and I'm just going to try to reference these relatively quick. All right. So we believe, and I, and I think the text would bear this out because especially when you get to verse 14, especially when you get to verse 14 and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, Clearly, we believe, and I believe the the text itself lays this out, that that is a reference to Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the word made flesh, meaning that in John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, that that's a reference to Christ. So the word, this, this term, the word is a reference to Jesus, but why is he referred to as the word. What is the significance of that phrase, the word? I know there's so much to take apart in John chapter one, verses one through 14. I know that. But again, today's focus, I'm trying to give you one thing. So today I want you to focus on Jesus being the word, the word of life. I kind of want to look at that idea of the word of life, but because we know he gives physical life, but well, yeah, there's, there, we could, we could follow that in many directions, but the word why is Jesus referenced to as the word? Now, if you, if, I'm, I'm assuming you've heard this preached a million times, you know this, so I'm not going to say anything here you don't know, but if you were to take a blue, the blue letter Bible app, right, the blue letter Bible app, because you know I like to walk you through things, I don't like to just tell you things, John chapter one, and you were to pull the blue, blue letter Bible app, look up John chapter one, click on verse one, right? You're going to pull up the interlinear. And if you look at the word word, guess what you're going to find out? If you look it up and you want to know what the Greek word is, you know this. I know you know it. You've been told this a million times, but just to hear it for yourself, 
Strong's G 3056. Lagos. 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 Now, it's, Lagos is used 330 times, all right? Lagos is used 330 times. You can look up all the, the definition here. Um, I'll just read, from, this is all here in the interlinear. I mean, we could go through all of the different things that it, it, it says here about Lagos. You should look it up for yourself today. But uh, in John, it denotes the essential word of God, Jesus Christ, the personal wisdom and power and union with God, his minister and creation and government of the universe, the cause of all the world's life, both physical and ethical, which is interesting. Uh, which for the procurement of man's salvation put on human nature and the person of Jesus the Messiah, the second person in the Godhead, and shone forth from his words and deeds. All right. That that doesn't give us, a, that still doesn't help us a lot. Why is he referred to as the word? The, the word. Why, why refer to him as Logos? Why not just say, in the beginning was Jesus and, the Jesus, and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Why not? Why does it refer to him as Logos? And I, I think from one hand, you can be like, it's so frustrating because if that would just say in the beginning was Jesus and he, then it could, it could clear up, clarify or could help with many debates. But we, I think we can clearly prove it's referencing Jesus. So why is he referred to, to as the word or Lagos? Well, first I'm going to use the Schofield Study Bible. He says this, Lagos, all right? The Greek term means, number one, a thought or concept. That whenever you see logos, it just means a thought or a concept. It's a thought, it's a concept. Number two, the expression or utterance of that thought. So logos carries the idea of a thought or a concept, but then it's the utterance. It's the utterance or expression of that thought. Like you can have a thought. You can have a concept. It's in the mind, right? So it's there. It's the logos. It's, it's quote unquote a word, but it doesn't really become a word until it's expressed, until there's the utterance of it and there's an expression of it. So somehow Jesus in him, there's a thought and a concept that is being uttered. It's being put forth. It's being expressed. I think we're kind of getting maybe the idea of what's going on here. Schofield goes on to say this, as a designation of Christ, therefore, logos is, is kind of the perfect kind of phrase to use. It's kind of specifically chosen because now here we go. So remember the word logos itself just carries on two ideas, a thought or a concept and the expression or utterance of that thought. So when you see in the beginning was the word logos, the the Greek word alone just means a thought or concept and the expression or utterance of it. Now, using this Greek word logos to refer to Christ, Schofield believed it was very, very, it was like a a perfectly chosen word. And here he gives two reasons why. All right, here we go. I believe he gives two reasons. Yes, two reasons. Number one, because in Christ are embodied all the treasures of the divine wisdom, the collective thought of God. 
Because in Christ is all the, the treasure, all the divine wisdom of God. It's, it's, here's this divine wisdom. It's a thought. It's a concept. But then in Christ, it's uttered. It's expressed. He's the full expression. He's the full utterance of God's wisdom of all, as, as he says, uh, the, he is the, Designation of, uh, he is the embodiment of all the treasure of the divine wisdom of the collective thought of God. All of that, all of the wisdom, all of the thoughts of God are now uttered and expressed in Christ. He is that word that utters that thought, that divine thought, that divine wisdom. Number two, another reason it's perfect to call Jesus the word is he is from eternity but especially in his incarnation, the utterance or expression of his person and thought of deity. See, Jesus is the eternal son of God. In the beginning, he was with God. He was there. But now in his incarnation, that deity, that that one who has eternally existed is expressed. He is uttered in a, in a physical way through his incarnation. So... He, he, in a sense, he captures, think of it this way, the wisdom of God and then the deity, the, the person of God, in a sense, is expressed in time in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, right? I, I think that's a, a roundabout way, trying to say that as correctly as possible. Schofield doesn't offer any explanation for this, but that was, that's the direction he went. So let me read that all again so you can at least capture how, at least what Sco, how Schofield felt of this, all right? So the Greek term logos means, number one, a thought or concept. Number two, an expression or utterance of that thought. And he goes, now this is the perfect, basically, designation for Christ. It fits perfectly. Why? Number one, because in Christ are embodied all the treasures of divine wisdom, the collective thought of God. And number two, he is from eternity, but especially in his incarnation, the utterance or expression of the person and thought of deity. All right. And well, there's more. There's more we could say here, but we'll stop. Well, we won't stop right there. We'll we'll stop reading Schofield because he doesn't offer really more of an explanation, but you're getting kind of an idea, kind of why this term was used logos to refer to Jesus. But I have something down here right next to me. Right next to me, I have the Hallman Illustrated Bible Dictionary. Have the Hallman Illustrated Bible Dictionary. And what I have here is a a discussion about the use of the word logos. All right. So here we go. This is what they said. There's a long, there's a long entry here, but I'm just going to skip down on page 1,666. Oh no, that's probably somebody's going to be upset that it's on that page. 1,666. But this is what it says. Here we go. Jesus himself is the word. The living word. So if this is, if Jesus is the word of life, it's because, well, he's the living word and he gives life, physical and spiritual life. But all right, Jesus in himself is the word, the living word. The pre-existent word who was with God in the beginning has now become flesh. Now, this is very important. 
scholars have frequently claimed that John used logos in a philosophical sense to refer to the world's controlling controlling rational principle stoicism or to the created intermediary between God and his word uh, or, or his world. All right, so let me read this again. So, and this is very true. A lot of times when you start doing research on Lagos, if you look up commentaries, a lot of commentaries, do, this is this was used as a philosophical term. You see, this was written to a people who are philosophically minded. So he used a philosophical term so that they could relate to it. So they could, uh, because just saying in the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and was God, they they, they probably would not completely understand. So he uses a philosophical term to speak to their mind. The Bible dictionary here is challenging this concept, but let me try to, exp- uh, let me again read it so that you can understand what they're trying to say here. So first they state the fact Jesus himself is the word, the living word, the preexistent word who was with God in the, be- in the beginning has now become flesh. All right. All of that we believe is just right there in John chapter one. We believe it's, it's biblical, it's theological, it's truth, it's historical, it's, it's, it's a fact. But then they come along and say, but scholars have frequently claimed that John used logos in a philosophical sense to refer to the world's controlling rational principle. And then they have in parentheses stoicism. Stoicism is a philosophical concept. In fact, stoicism is a very popular philosophy in 2023. A lot of people have embraced it. Okay. So they're either, they, so some scholars believe it's a reference somehow to kind of the stoic idea, this rational principle idea that is uh, co- the controlling rational principle. Or some scholars believe it's to the created inter- intermediary between God and his world. And this would come from Philo, right? So that it, that it, that it was, that this is a reference to some created intermediary between God and his world. Well, already we have a problem because Jesus wasn't created. All right. Right. He was begotten, but not made. All right. You, you get the idea. No, but it goes on to say this. How it, they say, however, in contrast to these philosophical concepts, John's word is not a principle or a divine characteristic. It is a pre-existent, life-giving person. So they argue that all the commentaries and preachers who say that, that he was borrowing from philosophy, they, they are saying that's not true. That if you really look at Jesus, you, can, you may say, see some similarity with their, their, the philosophical concept of logos. But in a way, it goes beyond that because Jesus, and, and again, let me read how they say it. He's not a principle. He's not simply a divine characteristic. He is, he is pre, he is the pre-existent life-giving person. They go on to say John opposed Greek philosophy by arguing that salvation comes not by mankind's escape from this world, but by God entering and redeeming creation. In other words, John is opposing Greek philosophy. Well, he's opposing philosophical concepts that would say the way to salvation is to escape the world. No, he is saying that God entered into the world through the preexistent eternal word 
who was with God, who was God, who became flesh. They argue, this is their hypothesis, that more probably Logos was chosen because of its meaning in the Old Testament. It's Greek translation and contemporary. Okay, so let's go on. They say, most likely Logos was chosen because of its meaning in the Old Testament. It's Greek translation and contemporary Hebrew literature where the concept of wisdom and word were being spoken of as a distinct manifestation of God. Wisdom and word was seen as a distinct manifestation of God. And so Jesus here is, he's has a manifestation of the deity, of the, of the wisdom as Schofield put, put forth. John saw that the same agent of God who gave life in the first creation was also giving life in the new creation inaugurated by Jesus coming. The creative word of God became flesh. Being divine, he embodied divine communication. Now the word dwells among us, revealing the glory of God. So they say it's not borrowed from philosophy, borrowed from the Old Testament, borrowed from Hebrew concepts, not philosophy. I don't know. I don't know which one you you do. You, do you like the? I think if you're more philosophically minded and you know some of the philosophies of Stoicism or or some of these philosophers, you may be you may be going, well, hey, this is borrowing from philosophy. But the, the, at least this dictionary is arguing, no, 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 no. He wasn't borrowing from philosophy. He he was going way beyond their philosophical concepts that would take the idea of a word as simply being a, a principle or or a, an idea. And he, and John is saying it now. Now, he may be you could argue he was like, hey, you guys have this concept and philosophy of of logos. You have this concept of of a principle or or a character. But I'm trying to tell you this. This logos is more than just a principle or character. Maybe he's borrowing from philosophy to say he's using their concept to show that it's more than that. But he in reality, he uses their word. But the dictionary is saying he actually wasn't even trying to use their word. He was using a Hebrew concept. I don't, I, we, we could debate that all day. The main thing to understand, and I'll go back to John chapter one, the main thing to understand, and, and I know it always drives me crazy, but, but one of the reasons I try to teach the way I teach is because I try to show you all the different thoughts and ideas and opinions out there so that you will no longer be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine because you're hearing every wind, every wind of doctrine here. I'm trying to help you realize there's all these concepts. It bothers me, though, that you can pick up five, ten commentaries and they all seem to be borrowing from this. It's like there's one template they're all borrowing from, right? And then all of a sudden you read something else that says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That may not be accurate. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Who's right? Like you, you wish there could just be some universal agreement on some of these concepts. Here's what we do know, because it's in the text of Scripture, and the one thing we can trust is God's Word, that John, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wants us to know that in the beginning, you can go all the way back to the beginning, and the Word was already there, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So going all the way back, in the beginning, guess who you find? You find the word and they are with God. 
They, 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 and they are God, right? So there's this idea of separate, but yet one. Okay, now we're getting some Trinitarian concepts going on. We know that the same was in the beginning with God, re-emphasizing it. And we know that all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And in him was life and the life was the light of men. We know that he's the creator of all things. And we know, and this word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So we know there, there is the, in a sense, this eternality of the word. He was in the beginning. We know that there he is with God, somehow distinct in some way, yet, yet is God, yet there's, he, he is distinct, yet there's one God, all right? That's the Trinitarian concept. And that he's creator, right? And that he gives life. Oh, and by the way, he, he came, he, he took on human flesh. He, he, the word became flesh. There's the incarnation. So whatever this word logos represents, right? We do know this. And I think, and I think we can at least capture this. God is a spirit, right? Eternal, right? We cannot perceive or see God, right? There's just no way. But God, one God, three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in Christ Jesus, who is eternal, who is divine, no, he's he's still divine, he takes on human flesh. He now becomes that word, right? Because just like we understand the concept of a word, I could be sitting here right now in front of this microphone. There could be a million thoughts and expressions. There could be wisdom. There could be something of bene- a benefit going on, but you can't hear it until I speak. Then there, then it's given its expression. It's manifested. And the son of God, the son of God, right, is the expression that reveals God to us so that we can perceive, so we can see that divine wisdom, so that we can understand now, one God, three distinct persons who are co-equal and co-eternal. All right. So let's not, it's not one God manifesting himself in three ways. So when I use the word manifestation, I got to be careful because I don't want to slide over into Sabalianism, modalism, or any of those other her- heresies, right? I don't want one is Pentecost. I don't want to slide over in any of that. But when I say manifest in this sense, he, Jesus manifests to us in a visible way, the hidden, the invisible God. He makes it known. He, but he is one, there's one God, three distinct persons. He is a distinct person, but there's one God. But in a sense, he makes it known. He is that word that shows us, that bring, puts it, he's the expression of the invisible God. He is f- full of all that divine wisdom, all that there, he makes it right there in front of those to, to see. And well, they could see, they could hear, they could touch. He took on actual human flesh and walked, walked among us and his own received him not. But in him and through him, we can become the sons of God. In him, we have spiritual life as well as physical life. But in him is where salvation is found. I want you to just spend some time thinking of that logos and trying to understand it as fully as you can and, and what it means 
but you got you just got to be so careful with John chapter one because it's easy to slide over into some kind of heresy. But he is the logos. He is that word. And when we look to him, he is the visible manifestation, right? Again, one God, three distinct persons. He's still a distinct person. So I don't want to slide over into modalism, right? But he, in a sense, makes seen. He makes known the invisible God by taking on actual flesh. And that flesh was true God, yet true man. That's John chapter one, verses one through 14. I, oh, how do you, how do you leave it there? I don't know. How do you not work through this? For, but today is focused. Theoretically, it's only supposed to be 15 minutes long. So I already went, I know I always break the time limit, but I, it's so much here to work on. So much here to work on. The, um, I don't even think, uh, see, I'm looking now. I'm looking at the uh, devotional guide that I saw this. I don't even deal with this. Um, yeah, they, they don't, uh, they don't even talk about it. So yeah, they don't talk about the, the use of the word word. You can look it up in the interlinear. Uh, you can use a study Bible. If you do have available to you the, um, the Hallman illustrated Bible dictionary, you, you do, you may want to look up that, um, you may want to look that up. Let's see here if I can find it. I'll give you the page number. Was it 1,666, if I remember correctly? Yeah, 1,666, which is just, that's, it makes me laugh that that's the page it was on. But yeah, 1,666, I'm getting close. And then you can look at it for yourself. It's uh, There's an entire paragraph here. Where it says Jesus himself is the word, the living word, the preexistent word who was with God in the beginning uh, has now become flesh. And then they talk about the philosophical concept and then more of the Hebrew concept. They say that this is more probably Lagos was chosen because of its meaning in the Old Testament, its Greek translation and contemporary Hebrew literature, literature where the concepts of wisdom and word were spoken of as a distinct manifestation of God. There you go. You you can you can read all of that for yourself. I I do I'm going to argue that maybe there's two things going on here, right? That logos was a philosophical term that would have been known by many. They would have understood logos as this rational principle, this idea, this this characteristic, the, the this concept and he's coming along going, go, your concept, your rational principle is more than a rational pr- It's a person. It's in the beginning was the Lagos and they were with God and they, and they, they, they are God. They was, they, they, as it says, they, uh, in the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God. And that, that person, that living person, well, created all things and it's the source of life and light. Oh, and in him, you can become the sons of God. Oh, and he took on human flesh, like going way beyond their, their philosophical concept. But he may be borrowing. 
he he's not necessarily borrowing from their philosophical concept. He's like, here's the word you use, but then he's using maybe something that has more of a Hebrew Old Testament idea to to really flesh it out. Maybe there's two things going on there, and I think that there's some truth to that. It's a very important con. It sounds academic, sounds theological. But it's very practical because understanding this correctly protects you from the cults who constantly do damage to that very important concept. All right. There you have it for your today's focus. I want you to just think about long and spend the day thinking about it and just reading John chapter 1 verses 1 through 14 and understanding what it means that Jesus is the word of life. And that that word was with God and that word was God and that word became flesh and dwelt among us. One God, three distinct persons, co-equal and co-eternal. All right. You can email me today. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Love to get your thoughts on today's focus and hopefully it will, was beneficial. So thank you so much for tuning in. And that was your Today's Focus for Tuesday, September the 26th, 2023.